You're listening to DraftKings Network. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, do you want to see me do it? Yes. His eyebrows. Uh, did you look yeah. at? Did you see any of that? I didn't. I, I completely forgot. That is I some bullshit. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Good afternoon and welcome to Oddball. I'm Amin El Hassan and I'm joined, as always, by Charlotte Wilder. This week we celebrate the enshrinees of the 2023 Hall of Fame class. A little bit later, a retrospective on the career of Pau Gasol, Laker, Grizzly. But first, the headlines. Thanks, Amin. Anthony Davis has agreed to a three-year, $186 million maximum contract extension with the Lakers through 2028 for a total of $270 million. The only thing that didn't need to be extended his eyebrows. The Daryl Morey James Harden relationship is reportedly over. According to Mike Scotto of Hoops Hype, it's been a while since the two have spoken and their relationship is reportedly done. Apparently, this came after the best the Sixers offered was a two year deal with a team option on the second year. And that type of short term commitment wasn't going to sit well with Harden. Hey, what's going on? Did Harden skip Morey's wedding too? This man is losing friends faster than Netflix. I, I don't get that reference. Do we have oh, a graphic? It was, yeah, okay. Oh, well done. Chris Paul held his annual Chris Paul Elite Guard Camp this past weekend. Wow, really rolls off the tongue. Where the nation's top high school guards came together for some advanced tutelage from the point god himself, learning the nuances and tricks of the trade that they could only learn from a first ballot Hall of Famer. And our crack research staff has actually gotten a hold of the camp itinerary. Throw that on the screen right there. Yeah, there it is. Day one, registration for all invited players. Check in, receive gear, headshots, media interviews, opening remarks, warm-up and stretching and shooting. Okay. Day two, intro to belittling and alienating teammates. Day three, Advanced Boring Commercial Creation brought to you by State Farm. Day four, intro to nut shots. And closing remarks, and oh, that's nice. They get an ice cream social. Huh. In an interview with Joe Varden of The Athletic, 
Paolo Banco revealed what was behind his abrupt decision to abandon playing for the Italian national team in favor for Team USA, citing, among other factors, the recruitment efforts of Team USA managing director and fellow Duki, Grant Hill. When asked for comment, Italian national team head coach Giancarlo Pozzecco responded, Vavanculo, bestardo, mi hai fregato. Don't Google Translate that one. I'm not going to Google it, but it sounds bad and also made up. On Saturday, the Cleveland Cavaliers' Ricky Rubio announced that he was putting his career on hold indefinitely to focus on his mental health. And that and that's it. That's the headline. Were you guys were you expecting a joke? We're not monsters. Shame on you, audience. Shame on you. After making his first career three-pointer in a tune-up exhibition game for Team France, Rudy Gobert revealed that it felt like, quote, having sex for the first time. That would explain why he lit a cigarette afterward. I just thought that was because he was French or something. Well, you know, I mean, it makes sense because Gobert looked confused and it was certainly anticlimactic. That explains why he's never comfortable scoring. He's not going to want to do it again now, is he? Gross. Wait till he discovers what 3 and D is. In that same vein, over the weekend, Grady Dick was seen partying at the Carabana Festival in Toronto. Uh, I'm going to regret this, and if any of you take it and clip it out of context, I will personally hunt you down, but we're going to need more dick pics. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) She said vain. Jared Jackson Jr. said the Grizzlies need to navigate being without John Morant during his suspension across the first 25 games of the upcoming season. Morant, of course, suspended for having a second incident on Instagram Live where he was caught brandishing a firearm. Gun to my head? I think they'll be fine. No, I'm not associated with that. That's that. That's a saying, Charlotte. It's a saying. Relax. Yeah. Okay, sure. Michael Jordan recently said thank you, but not goodbye, to Charlotte after the Hornet sale was completed. And you know what, Mike? You're welcome, and I'll see you later. (sighs) Not again. I get it. And those are the headlines. Coming up next, we look back at the career of Pau Gasol. Transformative, champion, obstinate, don't go anywhere. It's Oddball. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Remember the best vacation you've ever taken? Make your next one even better with Get Your Guide. With Get Your Guide, you can book over 100,000 unforgettable experiences in the U.S. and around the world. Want to see the Grand Canyon from a helicopter? They got you. Watching a wrestling match in Mexico City? No problem. Or how about a guided tour of Rome's ancient ruins? Wherever you're going, whatever you're into, book your next travel experience at GetYourGuide.com. Pau Gasol enters the Hall of Fame as one of the most decorated international players in NBA history. 
A six-time NBA All-Star and four-time All-NBA selection, Gasol was a perfect blend of IQ, skill, and length, dominating around the basket with either hand, while also being able to step away from the paint and punish defenses from the outside. Following a dominant career with his hometown club of Barcelona that saw him win the Spanish ACB League title three times, Gasol was drafted in 2001 by the Atlanta Hawks and traded in a draft day deal to the Memphis Grizzlies, where he'd win Rookie of the Year, becoming the first foreign-born NBA player to do so. He would go on to play six and a half seasons in Memphis, including an all-star campaign in 2006, the first in franchise history, before being traded to Los Angeles for a package including the rights to his brother, Marc Gasol, marking the first time in American professional sports history that brothers had been traded for one another. As a Laker, Gasol would enjoy his most successful stint of NBA play, earning five more All-Star nods in the purple and gold and winning back-to-back titles alongside Kobe Bryant in 2009 and 2010. His skill set proved to be the perfect complement to head coach Phil Jackson's vaunted triangle offense. Following his time with the Lakers, Gasol would go on to play for the Bulls, Spurs, Bucks, and Blazers before finally returning to his native Barcelona for one final season. In international play, Gasol was a cornerstone for Spain's surge as the closest thing to a rival for USA national team basketball, capturing a World Cup gold in 2006, three Euro basket golds in 2009, 2011, and 2015, and silver medals at the 2008 and 2012 Olympic Games. He was also named World Cup MVP in 2006 and MVP of Eurobasket in 2011 and 2015. Pau Gasol, welcome to Basketball Immortality. Wow, did the Hall of Fame commission you to make that? <laughs> I'm, I'm available for hire. I'll just put it out there. Um... That's a that's an absolutely remarkable career, and yeah. you you were with the Suns when Powell was traded to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, what and and you guys obviously played against him. What what was right. it? What was it like going up against him as as a player? So it was really weird because that trade was really controversial at the time. The Lakers people don't remember this. The Why? Lakers had started the season; they were not doing great. Kobe Bryant was very upset that he wasn't getting any help from his front office. Uh-huh. Uh, he famously made a trade demand before the season started to a kid on a cell phone in a parking lot. <laughs> Back when cell phone video was still like, what? Like right. so, a kid had a camera on his phone that had video. So um, this was kind of Mitch Kupchak in that Lakers front office. Like, oh, we got to, you know, get off the pot mm-hmm. moment. And so they traded the players that were in the deal and this is Memphis. Powell's, Powell's with Powell's Memphis. Powell's playing for Memphis, okay. which, by the way, if you want to take it back even, even further, he, he was originally an Atlanta Hawk draft pick, and he got traded on draft day to Memphis, to Vancouver, or Me- Vancouver turned Memphis. Right. Because Atlanta was acquiring Sharif Abdul Rahim, who at, the point, at that point was like an up and coming player, but also he was an Atlanta native. So yeah. Atlanta was like, we don't want this Spanish kid. Give us the hometown kid who's been in the league and like, has proven himself to be a pretty good player, which, you know, in retrospect, now you're like, oh, wow, you gave up a Hall of Famer. Right. Uh, but, you know, he goes to Memphis, and he's a good player in Memphis. He's definitely he's a, a, a one-time All-Star. By the way, that trade from Atlanta to Memphis, that draft day trade, that happened while I was working for the Hawks in my first job 
No way. Yeah. What did you think? Were you like, this is, uh, nobody like, knew? Like, like, he, like, to me, like, uh, first of all, I was a dumb kid at the time, so right. I wasn't, like, out here doing international scouting or anything. I, like, right. I, I, worked, in, I worked in the arena, I think, yeah. at that point. Uh, but Sharif was a big deal. Sharif was like, oh, he's from Atlanta, and he's coming home, and, like, this is going to be a move that's going to make the, push the Hawks forward. Um, for someone who's ready to play and compete right now, and he's a pro, and he's a great guy, or whatever. So I like, I thought I liked it at the time, but again, I I didn't right. have anywhere near a sophisticated palate. It's like, mm, this is red wine. Right. Like that's that's where <laughs> right. I was at. So fast forward, he goes to Memphis. He plays very very well. He's an all star, but Memphis is kind of hitting that plateau of like we're not good enough to compete, and so they start like looking for deals. Mm-hmm. And they end up striking a deal with the Lakers who send Kwame Brown, Javaris Crittenden. Oh, my God. Yes, that Javaris Crittenden. No way. Yes. And the draft rights to a fat center from Barcelona named Marc Gasol. Like, Mark, wow. Mark was a second-round pick of the Lakers, and he had shown, like, skill in yeah. Europe playing for Barcelona. He, he went to high school in Memphis because he's Powell's little brother. Mm-hmm. But he was a big fat kid, right? And it was kind of like, okay, how is he going to deal with NBA athleticism? No one really knew kind of what it was. So at the time, it was like, wait a second. You just traded Kwame Brown, who everyone knew at that point was a, a major bust. Javaris Crittenden, who wasn't proving to be anything special. And the draft rights to the guy's fat younger brother, for a guy who's an all-star, we were all outraged that like that deal could happen. What was Memphis doing? You just basically gift wrapped the Lakers dominance because what Kobe really needed was another star player to yeah. play alongside him at this time yeah. at this point he's got Lamar Odom who's skilled but kind of always been maybe an underachiever is mm-hmm. a way to put him and Andrew Bynum was young at that time he was coming into his own but so that deal we all knew immediately oh the Lakers are they're going to be great right the crazy thing is in retrospect now given the career that Mark had in Memphis yeah like the deal's not quite as crazy as it seemed at the time. Do you think they saw something in Mark that they were like, this is actually a much smarter move than people are giving us credit for? I think, that's a great question. Yes, they saw something, but also Mark lost weight. Mark, like, he physically transformed yeah. himself. Yeah. And I don't know if that's something that you can bank on when you're getting someone. So there, there was definitely some hope. Right. A little bit of hope in that. In a, a but it was prayer. also like, we got to get rid of our superstar because we're not... Because it's, it's we're not, not going anywhere. Right. We had to kind of do the reset. I just felt like they could have got more and, and way more. Yeah. And from a bunch of teams. I mean, I thought like, hell, like, were we ever an option? Because yeah. I, I would do that, right? The Suns, you mean? Yeah, the yeah. Suns. So, but the crazy thing, like I said, in retrospect, like, it didn't turn out to be that lopsided in terms of what Memphis got. Right. In... At the totality, at the end of it, but at the time, like it just it was it was kind of ridiculous. So once he's once Powell's with the Lakers, mm-hmm. you guys have to deal with him. Yeah, what was that like? So so this was the the the, the triangle offense requires one of the biggest things it requires. People don't really realize it. You need good passing bigs mm-hmm. to run the triangle well because they, they got a, a bunch of stuff out of the, the what they call the pinch post, right? And they got these center opposite, and that's like these, all these all these different things where the ball actually goes to the big man yeah. first. And that, that was kind of the thing with the Bulls 
that like took the balls from the balls in Michael Jordan's hands. He's got to do everything to, okay, we're going to throw it to Bill Cartwright. We're going to throw it to Luke Longley. Yep. And then Michael's going to move off ball. And that's going to make him harder to guard, but it's also making everybody else active. But like it starts with, I have a good passing big, right? right? It's, by the way, the same elements that when you look at the Warriors, especially early on when they have Andrew Bogut, and they're throwing the ball to Andrew Bogut and they do what they call split cuts, where Curry sets a screen for Clay yeah. as Bogut's got the ball. And then like they each go a different way and the defender's like, what do I do? <laughs> right. which, which one do I guard? Which one do I switch to? Right. Like That's all kind of triangle-ish offense but again it's the idea like hey my center is a great passer yeah so they have Lamar Odom who's a great passer but he's a backup right yeah so you bring in Pal Gasol and he's a starter and now you got two guys you can throw on either elbow and now they're both doing this passing stuff and so it helped Kobe embrace triangle more mm-hmm. than what he was doing prior to that deal. Because right. prior to that deal, he was like, I've got to do everything myself. Right. And now you got this guy who's smart. And then, uh, like, no lot. I tell people all the time, like, look, Kobe was a such a headache to try to defend. Literally, a lot of our planning in the offseason, mm-hmm. as far as, like, what our roster needs, centered around two things. How do we stop Kobe? How do we stop Timmy, Manu, and... and Right. Tony Parker. Like, those were our, our biggest headaches. Yep. Everything else, we felt like, we'll figure it out. But, like, those are like, we need personnel yeah. that can help us against this. And then, towards, the, like, the end of us being good, and our, we started, my guy David Griffin, who was uh, the assistant GM at the time. Yeah, we talked to him. At, yep, we yeah. talked to him uh, Summer League. in Summer League, which was... <laughs> Yesterday? A couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> the advent of, like, hey, there's this new breed of player who's, like, 6'10", 6'11", but as like a wing, yeah. as a perimeter player. We need to start planning for that. I, like, I remember, wow. like, and like, sure enough, like Kevin Durant, and, you know, Dirk yeah. was kind of the first, but then all of these guys where it's like, you need someone who's 6'10", 6'11", but moves like a guard. Right. We, that started, like, in 2009, Griff was started talking about, like, we need to address this, yeah. right? Uh, but the main thing was, like, who are we going to get who's going to help us guard Kobe? Who are we going to get to help us fight against uh, the Spurs. The Spurs, right? Yeah. When you throw in Pal Gasol, your, the headache that Kobe is remains, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's, if anything, it's gotten greater. Right. Kobe's gotten greater as, as a headache. But then it's like, oh, i got to worry about this guy too. Right. And so we often would just, at least on my end, like, I just felt like the deflation of like, oh, here comes Right. Because you're trying to do all these different things and everyone, all five players on the court are having to track where Kobe is. We're helping, we're covering, we're switching. And then it's like, so now Powell, who went from Memphis where he was the star player there, but like everything was on him. So all the game plans defensively focused on him. Now he's more free and way more dangerous. Now he's playing one-on-one coverage. One-on-one distracted coverage. Because even the guy guarding him is like, where's where's Kobe going, right? (laughs) Right. And so... His ability to catch it and then like get one dribble and be at the front of the rim and he's so long like he could finish from over people and around people and and you know people called it a finesse game mm-hmm. but I that's bullshit it it was every bit as devastating as someone dunking on you every possession <laughs> right it felt that bad <laughs> because because these were high percentage shots he was making yeah right yeah and it's funny at that point in his career his jump shot 
was dependable, but didn't really go out beyond like 15, 16 feet. Okay. And later on, when Mike D'Antoni becomes the coach of the Lakers, mm-hmm. he tells Powell, hey, you need to be able to shoot threes. You need to be able to space the floor. And Powell famously didn't like that. He's grumbling because he's like, under Phil Jackson, I played here and these are my spots. Right. But Mike played a spread offense. He didn't want anyone clogging the paint area. Yeah. So he didn't have as many post-ups. He's like, look, I need you to pick and pop to give Kobe space to operate. Powell resisted and he was just dumb. I don't and then the crazy thing is later in his career when he goes to Chicago, when mm-hmm. he goes to San Antonio, he embraces it and actually becomes a really good three-point shooter and it gives his career great longevity. So this thing that he was so sure was dumb actually adds like five years at the back end of his career. And the irony is the same thing happened with Marc Gasol. When David really? Fisdale comes to Memphis, Mark would have been accustomed to play on the block, him and Zebo grit and grind. David Fisdale comes to modernize Memphis's offense. He tells Mark, I need you to be able to shoot threes. And Mark says, this is dumb. I don't know why I'm doing this. So Mark gets to Toronto mm-hmm. and becomes what? A pick and pop three point shooter. I was going to say an NBA champion. And he becomes an NBA <laughs> right. champion as well. So I guess like the stubbornness for what's good for you runs in the Gasol family. Yeah. Wow. What's one thing about Powell that you don't think is reflected in the box score? That like talking about how great he was, the the ephemeral stuff or the stuff yeah. that fans remember him for. You, you know, I, like super fans will remember yeah. this, but maybe some people watching this won't. Uh, he wanted to be a doctor. No way. He wanted to go to med school and he wanted to be a doctor. And he was... Well, like one, like a lot of his terrible work mm-hmm. was like Doctors Without Borders and stuff like that. Because how like was like okay, I'm gonna play a few years for Barcelona, where where he's yeah. from, and you know it's a, it's a prestigious club in Europe. And he said like, and when that's done, I'm gonna go to med school, finish up my med degree, and and then be a doctor. And then of course he gets drafted, he goes to the NBA, and he has this amazing career, makes a lot of money, and it's like maybe there's <laughs> other ways I can help doctors right. that aren't necessarily. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good for Pal. Good for Pal. Absolutely. What was his, you know, I didn't come up as entrenched in the basketball world as you did. What was his, like, would he, was he mouthy? Was he, like, in guys' faces? or? No, I mean, he was a passionate player, like mm-hmm. a lot of screaming and, like, uh, what do they call primal roars yeah. after big plays. But wasn't really a trash talker. And if anything, like, again, like, finesse and soft and all these things were terms that came up a lot. I'm sure if we had uh, our buddies Kevin Garnett and Kendrick Perkins here, they'd have some choice words about him from a toughness standpoint. Yeah. Um, I I didn't buy into any of that. Yeah. And I think a lot of it stems from Kobe wanting him to be more aggressive. Uh, There was a whole, like, that was around the time the movie Black Swan came out with uh, (laughs) Natalie Portman. And Kobe called him a black swan or whatever. Or you got to bring out the black swan or... Like, Kobe was weird like that yeah. sometimes. He'd watch a movie or read a book, and then, like, the, the things like Kobe would watch uh, nature documentaries of, like, leopards hunting, and it's like, I try to incorporate... Like, be a leopard. Like, incorporate the moves. Like, and I don't know. Some of this stuff sounds like... Legend, like, but yeah, also... Just, like, it, not that it didn't happen, that he didn't say those things, but it's also, like, it's the kind of stuff you say, and it grows, and it becomes a thing, but it's not actually real. So, like... Totally. It was Palgasol... Hyping himself up before every game. I'm like, I've got to be a black swan today. I don't think so. <laughs> like but, writing in the mirror with yeah. the black lipstick. Yeah, but That's so funny. But for sure, that was something that, like that that thing dogged him. And um, the 
the reality is all you got to do is see what he did in a Spanish national team uniform. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think when you talk about Team USA from Redeem Team 2008 until, mm-hmm. you know, for that next decade where USA basketball dominance had returned and the Olympics and in the World Cup and all, the biggest threat every year was Spain. Because right. Spain was one of the few teams that had like a bunch of dudes who were NBA players, more than three or four, like seven, eight guys who were NBA players. Yeah. And uh, they played together. They grew up together. So they had a chemistry. Like that, the Canada of today, sort yes, of? Yeah. Or? They, okay. It's like all these guys know yeah. each other. They play with, with one another. And so they're not as like disjointed or kind of pick up ball like Team USA was. Right. And so they pushed, you know, you watched that 2008 gold medal game. Yeah. Like, yeah, USA won, and they managed to pull away, but uh, they played Spain twice. And in the first game, there's a famous story about Kobe saying, the first play of the game, they're going to run this down screen for so-and-so, and Powell's going to set the screen. And Kobe says, let me be the guy who guards so-and-so. And so, sure enough, they, play, they run the play. And by the way, 2008 redeemed team. I did advanced scouting work for it. So hey. You're welcome, America. I give you a good <laughs> Um So he's, Powell sets the down screen, and the guy comes off it, and Kobe literally trucks Powell. No way. Like, doesn't even make an attempt to, like, skirt it or shoot the gap or whatever. Yeah. He literally runs right through his chest, blows him up football style, lifting Powell off his feet on the ground. And it was all about, like, Sending the message. Totally. Like, yeah, we're teammates, and we, you know we went to the finals a couple months ago, and that was cool. I'm here to annihilate you. And so he like, it was like Spain got their ass kicked in that game. But then when they came to the gold medal game, it was a much closer game because I think Pau at that point understood, oh, he's not my friend and my teammate. This right. guy's he's out for blood, and so I have to be out for blood too. That's such a Kobe. Yeah. But that's like, if someone didn't know anything about Kobe Bryant, just tell them that, and it's like, oh, okay. That's awesome. what it was. What do they do in spring? Do they go out? They have parties? They, so I've only been to one. I, the one I went to was because I, I knew a lot of people were getting enshrined. It was Steve Nash. It was Grant Hill. It was Rick Welts. Uh, yeah. It was Jason Kidd. And so, um, you know, they, they have obviously the pre-ceremony mixer uh, for everybody. And then they have the ceremony. And after the ceremony, everyone kind of has their own individual stuff. Yeah. So, like, I, w- I found myself in a weird position like Zach Morris and Saved by the Bell. Like, I got to go to this party and this party at the same time. And so. What a great problem to have. Yeah. Just trying to think of where in Springfield, Mass, is like um, the hip spots. Well, Grant Hill rented out the actual Hall of Fame. And All right, that's I a hip spot. A, I had a DJ a there hip spot. and stuff like that. Steve Nash went to the uh, basement of a dive bar in Hartford, which is. 20, 30 no minutes way. away, yeah. That's awesome. And it was funny to see, like, we're in the basement and Dirk Nowitzki's there, literally can't stand up because the ceiling is too low uh, to his head. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, no ceiling's too low for Pau Gasol. Too high? Thanks for watching Oddball. I'm going to get Pablo's budget. God, I wish. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, 
you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.